You came into this world one day A helpless little child To live your life To spend a few short years But oh how soon the day comes When you must go For good, you'll not return again. At the river of Jordan, all alone. At the river, you'll leave it all behind. Friends can't help or ease your pain All its riches are in vain At the river of Jordan You're all alone The years that quickly pass you by The shadows begin to you try to live your life the best you could But what does it profit any man Even if he gains the world And in the end he loses his own All alone At the river You'll leave it All behind Friends can't help Or ease your pain All its riches are in vain At the Yes, you come to the river of Jordan All alone At the river You've got to leave it all behind Friends can help or ease your pain All its riches are in You come to death's river to be all alone. alone. It was in a country cottage and the sun was sinking low that I stood beside a bedside of a loved one who soon must go and as the sun beam lingered around her dying bed she turned her eyes and this was what she said Death's coming soon to call me It's coming by and by But oh, I am not ready And the coming I heard a 
how and health and wealth and youth she'll live for pleasures only ah her words were words of truth but now beside death's river in doubt and fear she stood for she had These are the words she spoke This coming soon to call me It's coming by and by But oh, I am not ready The coming draws nigh For a day or two she'll linger Ah, but then the summons came Her first soul had fled on pardon Never to return again Oh, sinner, hear the warning Trust the Lord Eternity, it's nearing You too must pass away It's coming soon to call you It's coming by and by But oh, if you're not ready And the coming you know it's true, death's coming soon to call you It's coming by and by Tell me, friend, are you ready? For it's coming, I want us to open our Bibles this evening in the book of Luke's Gospel and the 16th chapter of the book of Luke's Gospel. Let's follow the reading of God's precious and God's infallible and God's holy word this evening. I'd like to join with our brother, McLaughlin, to thank you for coming and joining with us in the meetings and it's deeply appreciated and it's certainly not taken for granted that you've come to gather here and I trust that you'll continue to pray that God will richly bless even in the closing meetings of this gospel mission. I want us to read words. The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking here, Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, and verse number 19. This is what the Lord Jesus, remember who's saying this now. This is none other than the Savior himself that's telling this story. Verse 16, Luke chapter 16, verse number 19. There was a certain man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died. He was carried by the angels into Abram's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abram afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abram, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abram said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now 
he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abram saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abram, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. We end our reading there, and we know that God will add his blessing to his infallible word for his name's sake. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Eternal God and gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank and we praise thee tonight that we have thy word on this pulpit. We thank thee, our God, that we're coming not to preach the philosophies or theories or thinkings of men, but we're coming to preach thy word. And I pray that thou wilt help people in the congregation to realize tonight that this is not the preacher's word, and this is not the preacher's message, but this is the word of the living God, the God with whom we all have to do. And, O God, I pray in Jesus' name that by thy Holy Spirit that thou will take the word that we have read and the words that will be spoken, which will be based and founded upon thy word, and write the word upon the hearts of this congregation. O God, speak to us of things that really count. Speak to us of things that are eternal. For we pray in Jesus' precious name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. Job said this in chapter 14, Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. And it's true, no matter how long we have, life at best is very brief. But Job in that same chapter goes on to say, but not only does man have these few days and they're full of trouble, but man dieth. And you and I will not be foolish enough to suggest that that's not true. Because every day, every community, every family, sometime or other, you will know how true those words are. But man dieth and wasted away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost. And friend, we have to. Because one generation passes away and another generation comes. And that will happen until Christ returns. Yes. Well, but what, what happens then? Job in that same chapter, in that same verse where he says, But man dieth and wasted away. Ye man giveth up the ghost. He then asks this question. It's an important one. And where is he? Where is he? And friend, tonight we're gathered in a preaching house and we have only one book here that we're preaching from and that's the Word of God. And either you believe that this is God's Word or you don't. Now, if you say to me tonight, preacher, I believe that that is God's Word, I wouldn't be foolish to suggest it's not, then I want you to listen to what God has got to say in answer to those words, where is he? Because let me tell you, my friend, that question will be asked someday concerning you or me. And where is he? How many times as a preacher I have been asked that question by loved ones? Whenever their loved ones, their mom or their dad or their uncle or their aunt or their granny or granda have passed away, or their son or daughter, and the question is asked, is this, and where is he? Where is he? 
Now, the Word of God is very clear. Because the Word of God tells us very clearly that there is one of two places that that soul will be in God's eternity. And one is called heaven. And that's where Jesus is because Jesus went to prepare a place for his redeemed and blood-bought people. But as real and as sure of the place called heaven, there is another place that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, talked about, and that is a place called hell. And one's as real as the other. And friend, let me tell you very clearly tonight, whenever a soul passes from the scene of time into heaven, they will never want back. There is nothing in this world will ever attract them ever back again. And for those who die in their sin and go to hell, they'll never get back. That's the difference. One will never want back, the other will not get back. Because remember, we're talking about what comes after death. It's the judgment and God's eternity. And in one of those two places, every man and woman from the preacher down to the back seat of this church, in one of those two places, my friend, you will be, or I will be, for all eternity. And it will never end. It will be forever and forever and forever and forever because it's for all eternity. And that's why it's important that you realize tonight that whenever you close your eyes in death and you're, you breathe that last breath and you're called to meet God and your soul is required by God to go into eternity, my friend, I want you to know where you're going. Now, I would suggest to you that's a sensible thing. Is there a person here tonight that would say, well, listen, I want to go on the best holiday. I'm going to spend all my money. I want to really make it the best holiday. But I'm not sure where it is. I don't want anybody to tell me I'm going to spend money. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what the hotel's going to be like. I don't know what the weather's going to be like. I don't know what the company's going to be like. But I'm going anyhow. You say, that person's a fool. And yet there are men and women that are going out into God's eternity and they're going to die in their sin and they're going out to hell, friend. But they don't want to know where they're going but they're going forever. And I suggest to you tonight in this meeting that it is far better for you to know exactly where you're going. And then, my friend, on the authority of the Word of God, then you make your decision. Is that where you want to go for all eternity? Is that where your soul will be for all eternity? And for the person without Jesus Christ, the Word of God tells me, that place is called hell. Now, I must confess as a preacher, if there was any message that I wouldn't want to preach, it's this. Because it gives me no joy and no pleasure to realize that a precious soul could sit in a gospel meeting like this and die in their sin and go to hell forever. And I'll tell you why, personally. When I was a boy, my mom and dad, there were five of us as children. My dad's sister had no family. She looked upon, especially my sister and I, as her children. Her husband had no time for the things of God. Her husband was taken into hospital, my uncle, and I went to stay with my aunt while he was there. I remember one night being called to the hospital. I was only a child. My uncle had got his leg amputated, and he was seriously ill. I remember sitting at the side of my uncle's bed 
And he was not speaking just after his operation. I remember well, when the night came, I had to go home. My aunt, my mother, and another friend sat at my uncle's bed during the night hours. And during that night, that uncle that I loved with all my heart, he said these words, or rather he cried them. Oh, hell, hell, hell. And his life was over. I remember crying myself to sleep. But friend, I couldn't change his destiny. You see, friend, he died in his sin. And he went to hell. And I'm standing and carried off tonight, years later, as an old man. And he's still in hell. And he's there forever. And I can't change it. I can't change it. And yet there are men and women that sit in the gospel meeting after gospel meeting. And they hear the word of God proclaimed. And let me tell you, the word of God is a solemn thing. To hear God's word is a solemn thing. And God is reaching your soul and God is presenting you tonight the offer of salvation. And thank God with it, heaven itself for all eternity. But there are multitudes of men and women that walk out of gospel meeting after gospel meeting saying, God, no, I'm not taking your way. I'm taking mine. And the end they're off. hell. You say to me, preacher, why would you preach such a message? I'll tell you why. For God said in the 33rd chapter of the book of Ezekiel, son of man, warn them from me. For God says, if you don't warn them from me, I will require their blood at your hands. God says, if you warn them and they turn not from their sin, I will require their soul at their hands, not yours. And the sad reality is this. There are multitudes of preachers and ulsters, and let me tell you, they have blood-stained hands of souls of men and women. For they've never once told their congregation that if they die in their sin, they're going to hell. They give them a free pass into heaven. But there's a major problem with that. They can't do it. No preacher. I don't care who he is, my friend. There's not a preacher that has the authority or the power to take any soul into heaven. Jesus says, I'm the way to heaven. It's not the church. It's not the preacher. It's not baptism. It's not confirmation. It's not the communion rail. It's not religion. It's Jesus is the only way to heaven. You miss Jesus and you'll miss heaven. Thank God there's never a man or a woman, boy or girl, who's received Jesus Christ that'll miss heaven because Jesus Christ will take them there. He's the way. 
And God says, you warn them from me. But God says, if you don't warn them, God says, I will require their blood at your hand. Do you know this tonight? I want you to listen to this carefully. I hear people say, you know, a preacher shouldn't talk about hell. Well, let me ask you this. What do I do with this book then? Scrub it? You see, if I didn't believe it, friend, let me tell you, I'd be better going down those steps and going home. Because I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting yours too. It is said, you know, during the American troop ship, during the Second World War, some of the American troops gathered round their chaplain on the boat. And they asked their chaplain as they were about to go into the Second World War, they asked their chaplain this word, do you believe in hell? He says, I do not. The soldiers turned to him and says, well then, sir, will you please resign? For if there's no hell, we don't need you. What do we need a preacher for? But if there is a hell... We don't want you to lead us astray. Do you know who spoke about hell in this book? Who do you think did it? Jesus. I'm going to tell you something else. And you can study it. I challenge you. Do you know that Jesus Christ spoke more about hell in this book than he did about heaven? What's happened with the pulpits today? Everybody's going to heaven, you know. And there is no hell. And yet they say, we love Jesus. Then it's not true. It's not true. You say to me, preacher, How could you love a person and tell them that they're going to hell? Do I hear a person by telling the truth? Or do I love them by telling them a lie? I suggest to you, my friend, tonight in this meeting, the man who does not faithfully warn his congregation does not love his congregation. He's deceiving his congregation. God says, warn them from me. You're not in your own business. You're in my business. The sad reality is that many a congregation pays their minister's salary only to him to deceive them and tell them, do the best you can, live as clean a life as you can, and you'll make it out all right in the end. Pay, as they used to say, 20 shillings in the pound, and live an honorable, decent, moral, upright life. And that's all God will require. Let me tell you, friend, it's not true. A born-again child of God will lead that honorable, decent life. A child of God will live that moral life. A child of God will pay the 20 shillings in the pound. But that's not to get him to heaven. Because you see, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. And if you can get to heaven by your working your way there, then I tell you this, my friend, God made the greatest mistake. Because God gave his darling son and sent him to the cross of Calvary for nothing if you can make it to heaven another way.
Why did God send his son? Because there was no other way. Because there is no other way. And I say to you in God's name tonight, I beg your, you, you to listen to me carefully. You may try your way, but the Bible says there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, he warned about hell. Why? Because it's real. We read tonight in Luke's Gospel 16. It's the Lord Jesus that's telling the story. This isn't man-made, friend. You can believe it. Jesus says there was a certain rich man. He was clothed in purple and fine linen. And he fared sumptuously every day. In other words, he had everything that money could buy. And more plenty left over. And then Jesus says, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. You see the difference in that story already? You notice, friend, this is the Holy Ghost. This is the, the Spirit of God recording this. This is what Jesus said. Now notice this. The rich man's name's not mentioned. But the beggar says. Now, had man have been writing that, he would have put the rich man's name up in big lights. And the old beggar, he wouldn't have been mentioned because he didn't count. Why did us mention one name and not mention the other? Very simple. The Lord Jesus said, Then shall I say unto them, Sinner, I never knew you. Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. You see, friend, there's the book of the living. But when the unconverted die in their sin, their names erased from the book of the living. And as far as the book of life is concerned, the Lamb's book of life, their name's not there. You see, the Lord knows his own people. It says the shepherd in John's gospel, chapter 10, the good shepherd, he goeth before his sheep. He says, I know my sheep. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. And maybe there's a child of God here, and maybe you feel that nobody really cares much about you. I want to tell you, the old devil will say to you, my, you're a nobody. It's a lie from hell. Thank God you're a somebody. Your name's written in heaven, child of God. God loves you. God knows you. You're known in heaven. As far as earth's concerned, your name might rot. But glory to God, it'll never perish because Jesus Christ says, your name's engraved in the palms of my hand. Your name's written on my heart. He says, your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. And he knoweth his own. But the rich man, his name's not given. Why? Because the Lord Jesus doesn't know him. Now, when we come to this tonight, very simply, there are people who don't believe in life after death. Let's be honest. Sad reality is, there are many people in Ulster that think that you just live like an animal and die like a dog. And they'll put a bit of soil over the top of you, and that's it all over. And there's no life after death. There are those that do believe there is a life after death, but they believe that that's for the good. That live good, decent lives. Of course, the wicked, they just die and they disappear. They're just gone. There are other people who believe that there is life after death, but 
after a few years in a place called purgatory, that they'll get to heaven. In other words, just a few years of suffering and you'll pay for your faults and your mistakes and your sins and then at the end of it all, everybody's going to finally get out of this place and into heaven. There's only one problem about all of those things, friend. It's not according to the book. They're not here. God says there is life after death. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, a judgment. God says there's not only an eternity out there for the saved, but there is for the unsaved as well. And God says, let me tell you, where a man, when he dies in his sins, and wherever he is, he's there forever. He's not only there for a little while, and then get finally into heaven at the end of it. No, the Bible says, as a tree falleth, so shall it lie. And as a man liveth, so shall he die. And you're there forever. And what I want to say tonight, there are three things that you can do with what I'm preaching tonight. Three things you can do with it. First of all, you can reject it. Say, I don't want that. Don't believe it. The second thing you can do is ignore it. In other words, just carry on as if you never heard it. Or you can accept it. And I beg you in God's name, don't be a fool tonight. Because as we said last night, died Abner as a fool, died. He died unprepared. He died in his sin. Now we're not going to the rich man or the uh, Lazarus concerning their earthly conditions, friend, because quite honestly, the rich man didn't go to hell because of his earthly conditions, in other words, because of his riches. I know a lot of people don't like, they say, oh, that person's rich and he shouldn't be. The Bible does not say, there's an old Proverbs I hear people talking about. And you know, people talk about riches. And they talk around, they say, listen, ah, well, listen, riches, the love, or uh, money, money, they say, is the root of all evil. And they talk that as if that's from the Word of God, friend. That's not what the book says. Let's get it straight. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. That means whenever money is their God, as we saw in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, the young man, his possessions, his earthly possessions were as his God. And when the Lord Jesus said, listen, put them on the altar, young lad. Put them on the altar, your possessions. He walked away from Christ because he had great possessions. It was his God. Now, the rich man didn't go to hell because of his money, friend. And the poor man didn't go to heaven because of his poverty, either. One was ready and the other was not. One was the Lord's child and the other was not. And the Lord Jesus Christ tells us about the eternity of both the rich man and Lazarus. But I want us just in the concluding moments of this meeting tonight, I want you to realize this is what Jesus had to say out of the place of the unconverted. Verse 23. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. And the first thing I want you to notice about hell, friend, It's a place of seeing. It's a place of seeing. You see, what do you mean, preacher? 
When a man closes his eyes on death, friend, you see, the Bible says the God of this world has blinded the eyes of them that believe not. In other words, the unconverted person in the state of their sin, they cannot see their sin. They cannot see their lostness. They cannot see that, that they're bound to a Christless eternity. It is the work of the Spirit of God. It is the conviction of the Holy Ghost that brings a person to that place when he realizes that I am lost. And I'm in my sin. That's not the preacher. I remember a wee woman, I was conducting a meeting in Macrofelt one night, and there was this lady of my congregation brought her mother to the meeting. And when the meeting was over, I was standing shaking hands at the door, and as I was watching them go down the steps, I noticed the elderly woman turning to her daughter and doing this here, and the finger started going to her daughter's nose like this, and my, she, wasn't, she, she was angry. And I spoke to her daughter, and I said to her, I said, tell me, dear, what did your mom say to you last night? I said, Mr. McRae, my mother when I was walking down the steps, she says, I want to tell you, you'll never do that on me again. You'll not make a fool of me again. She says, Mom, what do you mean? She says, you told that preacher all about me. She says, Mother, I never spoke to the preacher, and that was true. She never did. She never told me anything about her mother. She says, you told that preacher all about me, and if you think you'll make a fool of me, I want to tell you this, I'll never be back. And I'm out through the door, and I'm down the steps, and I'll never be back. And friend, it's true. That girl didn't tell me anything about her mother, but the Spirit of God took the Word of God and applied it to her heart as if she was the only person in the meeting. That's the work of the Holy Ghost. And if you're troubled about your sin, and when you're listening to the preacher, friend, if there's a stirring in your heart, I want to tell you something. You thank God that's happening. I tell you what's tragic. When men and women can sit under gospel preaching, and they're as totally unconcerned as if the preacher never opened his mouth. And they go out laughing, and they go out having fun on their way to hell. And I think that they're the big person. I tell you, you're not too big for God. Don't forget that. And your argument's not with a preacher. You'll meet God someday. You can take it up with him. And I want to tell you just a few weeks after that, that wee woman in her home was lying in her bed at night and a visitor came that she didn't know was coming. And it wasn't her daughter and it wasn't me. It was the last enemy which shall be destroyed, which is death. And the angel of death visited that home. And the rider on the pale horse got off and entered into that house and reached for the vital cords of life of that wee woman man in her bed. And that night as she lay in her pillow, she went out into God's eternity. She says, I'll never be back. Neither she was, friend. God heard her every word. Just remember this carefully. God is not Don't take God on, friend. He hears your every word. He sees your every action. He knows your every thought. And down there in a Christless eternity, my, the rich man who had not a thought of God or the things of eternity, and he was taken out into God's eternity, and one moment in a lost eternity, he realized, I'm lost. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. And he saw himself as he never saw himself before. A lost soul.
at the funeral, of uh, funeral service of Malcolm Forbes. His son addressed the congregation, and then he looked down at the coffin and addressed his dead father with these words. Friend, it sickens, but this, this is what he said. Looking down at his dead father in the coffin, he said, Dad, it was a hell of a party. Thanks for the trip. And everybody applauded. His dad, let me tell you, was an eternity before his son ever uttered those words. And he wasn't on a trip. He was in hell. Oh, to realize, to realize the solemnity, I'm lost. That your eyes will be open to realize that your soul, now you lived without Jesus Christ and you've died without Jesus Christ and now you're in lost eternity without Jesus. Notice what it says. He lifted up his eyes in torments. And then he said, I am tormented in this flame. And Abram said, Son, remember. Let me tell you tonight, you don't take your money to hell. Your checkbook you leave behind. Your bank account. <laughs> don't worry, somebody else will empty it. But there's something you take with you to a lost eternity. Listen to me carefully. You say, what is it, preacher? You take your memory. Son, remember. You remember every gospel message you've ever listened to. You remember every gospel tract you were handed. You remember every gospel text the preacher preached upon. You remember every Bible verse that you were ever taught, haunted by memory. Oh, to go out into a lost eternity. Listen. remember this meeting carried off free church the night, or, night the preacher warned of hell but you wouldn't listen Agrippa would remember Apostle Paul begging him to be a Christian. Felix will remember those messages, those three points that the Apostle Paul preached to him. He talked to him about righteousness. He talked about judgment to come. He talked to him about temperance. And then he remember the words he said. Go your way. Paul, go away for this time. When I have a convenient season, I'll call for you. Read the book, friend. Acts 24. It was his last opportunity. That was the convenient season that God had given. But he said, Paul, And I wonder tonight, is that what you're saying? Are you telling God tonight, 
Go away. Let's, I, I'm enjoying the world. I'm enjoying life as it is. Preacher, uh, you're saying to God, listen, God, speak to me again some other day. You see, whenever I'm about to pass out into eternity, when I'm about 11.59 and the midnight hour's about to strike, God, would you stick around and call me one more time? Friend, let me tell you, you don't deal with God like that. I'll tell you what God says. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation for you. And God never promised another time. The five virgins went in and the door was shut. And the five foolish they came to the door and they says, Lord, Lord, open unto us. Open unto us. But he said, I know you not. It wasn't that this man didn't know the truth. And I know time's away tonight and I want to finish this. Listen quickly. Do you notice what he said when he was in hell? Do you notice it said he prayed? Now, isn't it strange? You never said he prayed before. You're having a prayer meeting, brother. And the sad reality is a prayer meeting is called in many churches. And many of God's people are, are absent. But I'll tell you, the biggest prayer meetings in hell where sinners are praying. But it's too late. And he not only prayed, notice what he said. I want you to send Lazarus to my father's house and I've got five brothers there. And I want you to testify unto them. In other words, he was a lad who knew about testimonies. He knew people who had testimonies. And he wanted somebody to, to testify. He wanted Lazarus to testify to his five brothers. And then he says something else. He says that they would repent. That's interesting. He knew about repentance. Therefore, he knew about the gospel. He knew about salvation, about the need of salvation, and about the sinner's need to repent. And he wanted his brothers to repent. But you notice one thing he didn't want. He wanted somebody to testify to his brothers. He wanted somebody, yes, Lazarus, to go. And he wanted his brothers then to repent. But he didn't want them to come to hell. He didn't want them there. Lest they also come to this place of torment. And friend of you and I could put our ear to the trapdoor of hell tonight. Listen, my friend, unconverted loved ones would cry to you and would beg you, don't come. Don't come to this place of torment. For he said, I'm tormented in this flame. But notice the answer. Nay. I think it was interesting what he said. When you send Lazarus, listen, let's get the truth out. Send Lazarus that he may dip his finger in water. That's what he meant. Just that little drop and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame, begging for one drop of water. Because of the torments of hell. Now remember who's saying this, friend. It's the Lord Jesus. 
Don't laugh at what Jesus says tonight. It's too serious. I remember a wee man in my congregation, a wee, he had a wee farm. Wee Willie. He was lying in the intensive care unit in the Modulster Hospital before it closed. I went to see him. When I went to see him there lying in the intensive care unit, Wee Willie was, he was half crying. I says, what's wrong, friend? He says, they won't give me a drink. He says, I've begged them to give me a drink all day, but they won't give me a drink of water. He said, would you go up there to the nurse and would you ask her, please? Mr. McCray, maybe she'll do it for you. I went up to the nurse's station and I walked up and I said, friend, I'm with Willie down there. And I said, he said that he had been looking for a drink of water all day. But you wouldn't give it. The nurse said, Mr. McCray, I can't. We're not allowed to give it to him. He's seriously ill and we can't give him any water. I said, can you not give him something? This is true, friend. She walked down and she had just a little, a little glass of water and a wee teaspoon. And just a wee drop on the end of the teaspoon, she took that little drop of water and she dropped the teaspoon around Willie's lips. And Willie said, can you not give me more? She said, Willie, I'd lose my job if I did. I can't do it. And with tears in Willie's eyes, he looked up to me, and these are the words he said. Mr. McRae, I'd gladly give my wee farm for a glass of cold water. But he couldn't get it. And the rich man in hell said, Lazarus, send Lazarus to dip his finger, the tip of his finger in water, to cool my tongue. For I am tormented. In this flame. It's real, friend. A Christless hell. And every man or woman, boy or girl, that rejects God's mercy and God's grace and God's free, full salvation will die in their sin. And will go to hell. This last illustration is true also. In the midst of our troubles in our district where I lived at home was a lad that I grew up with. He went one way, joined up in the security forces. I went to preach. And then one night, the enemy came and shot him and he was dead. It was a lovely Sunday afternoon. I'll never forget it. He was buried. I went along, having known the family for all from childhood. I remember that Sunday afternoon, just after the service was over in this particular church. And we're walking across because then he was going to be buried. And his aunt came over to me. And she caught me by the hands. And she looked into my eyes and she says, this, this question, she says, William, tell me, where is he? Where is he? I never knew of that lad coming to Christ, friend, but I'm not the decider of destinies. Did he call on the Lord just in the last moment? I don't know. I said, if he was saved, he'll be in heaven. 
With tears running down her cheeks, she looked in and drove her nails into my hands, and this is what she said. William, if I thought he was in hell, I'd go mad. Do you know what I thought? How many times did you shed your tears over him when he was living? Listen carefully, friend. When they're gone, it's too late. They're there forever. So you've got a decision to make. That's a little preview of the place the sinner's going. Now, do you want to go there? The price is your sin. Thank God Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross of Calvary to forgive you your sin, to cleanse you from your sin, to give you peace within, and at last a home in heaven, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth from all sin. Or you'll say, Jesus, I don't want your way. I'll go mine. Just remember, and the end thereof. Is hell. May God save you. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this. Deuteronomy thirty two and that they would consider their latter end. Let's pray. Eternity. Eternity, where will you be? In eternity. This question comes to you and to me. Tell me, what will your answer be? Where will you be in God's eternity? Will it be heaven with Christ? Or will it be hell without him? You stand at a crossroads tonight two ways before you lie. Which road would I take? As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed and God's people are praying, let me make one simple yet important invitation. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, is there a man, is there a woman, a young person in this meeting, you say, preacher, I didn't realize it was that serious. I didn't realize what it would be to be lost. I want to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be sure of heaven. Preacher, lead me to Christ. As every head is bowed and eyes closed, if there's a man, woman, young person in this meeting, and that's the desire of your heart, that you want God's salvation, or there's someone backslidden, and you want to get back to the Lord and stop the codden in the far country and get back to the place where you ought to be a blessing. Preacher, lead me to Christ. And while others are going to have their tea, I want you to point me to Jesus. If there's one tonight, 
Would you lift that hand above your head that I see it? Indicate that desire. O Lamb of God, I come. Friend, don't go away without him. Heavenly Father, write thy word upon every heart. Yea, God, bring the hush of eternity upon every soul for Jesus' sake. Amen.